0: So Luke chapter 7 in your Bibles and, or if you have your phones, you can flip open your phones to this passage and read along together with me as Josh just mentioned. Um, We're gonna read verses 36 through uh, 50 this evening. This is a passage of scripture probably many of you guys know already. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known... Who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him? For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Ah, Great words. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the beginning of this school year, and I pray for your blessing on every single one of the students here and their parents, Lord, as they're heading into the new year, there's new stresses, and there's things to focus on, and schoolwork and getting back into the routine of things. God, tonight, as we look at your word, help us to remember what's most important, and that is faith in you and loving you, and I ask that you would just deepen our love for you and our faith in you tonight as we hear your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Megan, thanks so much for the game. Uh, thank you also, Mr. and Mrs. White for being here, Mr. and Mrs. Prowse for being here serving. They're here to serve you, to be here. To, do you have any questions or any prayer burdens? Just one prayer. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Sarita are here, and I'm here. We're all here because we love you, and uh, we're grateful for you and want to be the biggest blessing we can be, and the parents as well. I want to thank God for all the parents who are able to be here. Teens, we're glad uh, that all of you are here tonight, um, and it's great to have a game like Megan taught us, so I now know that every one of you picture knows. I don't have to wonder about that anymore, so that's always good to, to be aware of. So <laughs> um, What we're going to look at tonight, just from this parable of the sinful woman, is we're going to see the holiness of God on display as she comes and performs this act of worship to Jesus. We're going to look and see that God is holy. He's holy. What what does that word mean holy? Actually the Old Testament word in the original Hebrew, it actually is a word that talks about you tend to think when you think of holiness is pure and, and 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 it is it does contain that but it's it's a word that's actually much more substantive than just that. It, it's actually it means a cut above or other. It means other. There's a A sense of just reverence and awe and worship and fear and love and adoration and woe with God and His holiness in relation to His attributes and His character. When you think of the holiness of God, you tend to think of many different terminologies. But it's you look in that passage I read in Revelation 4 where it says, uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I mean me and uh me and uh the kids and, and Mrs. Edder, we love to talk about how God always was and always will be. Have you ever thought about that? I mean that just is a mind blower if you think on that long I and mean, it will twist your mind up in pretzels because that's how awesome and how other God is. All of us are creatures. We've been created by God. God is the uncreated one who was never created. I had somebody ask me a question recently and just said, Hey, you know, when was it that, you know, the father and the son first started relating the way that they do and, and always they have always been existing father, son, and Holy Spirit three in one from eternity past, and there was no beginning. It was forever that they've been the way they've been. <laughs> and uh, when we were entering into the, the creation, all of a sudden time begins to exist and God who exists outside of time, acts in time to save and redeem fallen man and his sin, but God is holy, he is other, he is worthy of our reverence and our awe and our worship, for he is a consuming fire. He is indeed holy and righteous. His presence, like we sung, bears no sin. There was a separation that was signified by the holy of holies in the Old Testament temple where the high priest could only come into the presence of God once a year, and that not without blood, he had to come in. And the blood symbolized that which was needed to atone for his sins so that he could come before a holy God and not be cut down. There is, a, there is a recognition with the holiness of God. When you see the disciples in the boat and that storm comes upon the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is sleeping and it's kind of calm at first, but then there's this storm that comes and Jesus is sleeping. It says in the Word of God on a cushion. And they are so terrified because they think they're going to lose their lives that they go and they wake up Jesus and say, do you care? And Jesus comes out and in the midst of this storm that terrified these seamen for life, these men, these disciples who had spent their entire life fishermen and who knew the sea, these men were terrified and Jesus stepped up. And just stretched out his arms and said, calm, be still. And the waves died down instantly. And all of a sudden, what the word of God says is that Peter and the guys, they were, their terror shifted from the waves to the one who just calmed the waves. That That's holiness. That's other. When you've got a power like the force of a hurricane like in Irma, a Category 5 storm that had 185 mile an hour winds down in the Caribbean, swells, Uh, Mrs. Etter was telling me, up to 225 miles an hour. That is just insane. When you got a God who comes and just puts his hand out and stops it calm, all of a sudden you're not afraid of Irma anymore. You're just like, who is this? And you see this reaction of who is this in this passage when Jesus says to this sinful woman, your sins are forgiven. They ask, who is this? This is the holiness of God's character revealed through the forgiveness of sins. And I just want to show you just three quick things in relation to God's holiness in this passage here. The first thing that shows he's other in this passage with the sinful woman being forgiven is that Jesus welcomes. Jesus welcomes her. No one else does. But Jesus welcomes her. She comes in and all the others judge her. But Jesus welcomes her. He's other. He, the second person of the Trinity, God himself, God incarnate, is different from all the rest. He welcomes this sinful woman like no one else does and receives her at his feet so that she can pour out her repentance, her faith, and her worship at his feet. I am so affected by the holiness of God and the fact that Jesus welcomes sinners. Aren't you so thankful for that, guys? I know I am. I am a sinful man, and I'm so thankful that Jesus welcomes sinners. Another evidence of His holiness in this passage is that Jesus forgives. He has authority to forgive sins. This woman pours out her heart to Jesus in repentance and in faith, and He says, To her, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you, go in peace. That's something that only God can say. The rest of us can commiserate with each other and sympathize with one another in our sin, but Jesus actually can forgive you of your sin. That's the difference between us. I can't forgive you of your sin. I I want to be the best pastor I can be to you, the best youth pastor I can be to you. I cannot do that for you. Only Jesus can do that for you. Only God can do that because he's holy, and Jesus forgives Sinners, There's an evidence of his holiness here in the fact that he forgives this woman, this sinful woman, of her sins. And a third example of holiness is that Jesus saves and gives her peace. Nobody else could do it, but he says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace, or shalom. She has this peace that is declared over her because of her forgiveness of sins that Jesus has just carried out he was punished and crushed on the cross he was forsaken on the cross so that we who repent of our sins and believe in him tonight might be forgiven and saved and so that we can go out of this meeting tonight saved from the wrath of God that was once against our sin but was poured out on Jesus on the cross and also with peace Jesus can give you peace tonight. I can't give that to you. Nobody can give that to you. Your parents can't give that to you. No friend, no love can give that to you. Only Jesus can forgive you of your sins, save your soul, and give you peace. That's how he's other. No one else can do this for you but him. What can we learn from this woman? I just want to look at a few things we can learn from her. The first thing we can learn from this woman is this, guys. Go to Jesus and don't let anything stop you. Go to Jesus and don't let anything or anyone stop you. You know, when I was in school, I had friends and actually just these kids in school that really just shunned me and just treated me almost like I didn't exist. It really, really hurt me. I went into a time of real darkness and sadness in my school years in junior high and even in the senior high as well I was really in different seasons just really hurt by just people just shunning me um, and I felt the pain of that and no doubt some of you have as well. but Jesus welcomed me. Jesus welcomed me and he'll welcome you tonight. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want you to know that. In Psalm 27, one of Mrs. Edder's favorite passages in the Bible, the Word of God says, Even if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord has taken me in. You may even have a mom and dad who don't really care about you. But if you're a believer in Christ, you have a God who died for you, who loves you, and who will never leave you or forsake you. And I want you to be encouraged. Don't let how people have sinned against you and hurt you, or friends have sinned against you and hurt you, or shamed you, or how others have maybe even looked down upon you, To hinder you from coming to Jesus or distract you from turning to Jesus, it's interesting. This woman, she knew she was a sinner. I mean, she's repenting to Jesus at His feet. She's actually crying her eyes out at Jesus' feet, and as she's crying, the tears are falling on Jesus' feet. Think of this image, and she she dries Jesus' feet with her hair. She just she walks into this Pharisee's house, and you look at the way the Pharisees treated her. They just they said, this woman is a sinner. They judged her. but And she knew this. She knew they were going to act like that. And somehow she knew Jesus would welcome her. She saw the holiness of, of God in Jesus and, and, and drew near to him. Even though there were those inside the house who she knew would oppose her and mock her and make fun of her. She didn't allow the reality of somebody saying to her, look at this sinner this person, hinder her from going to Jesus herself. So I just want to encourage you to follow in her example. Don't let anything stop you from going to Jesus. He will welcome you. He will also cancel your debt, no matter how big it is. You come in here tonight, some of you, you're very aware of your sin. You're very aware of how much your life, as you look into your thought life, just think of your thought life alone and how many times you think things that are unkind, you think things that are impure, you all of those things are breaking God's law. They're, they're sins against God. I I am a sinner, just like this woman is a sinner. But if you go to Jesus and don't let anything Stop you from going to Him. Don't let what other people are gonna think about you stop you from falling at His feet and weeping at His feet and drying His feet with your hair. Just, and, and she wants to offer this act of worship by breaking this alabaster box on Jesus. She doesn't let anybody stop her. And she knew she was gonna get it. And they, and she did, but she didn't care. And there's a healthy not caring about what other people are going to say about you when it comes to worshiping God and following God. And we all kind of need to have that. I want to encourage you in our Crossfire ministry, for all of you, just to really encourage one another in the Lord and and never make fun of each other for godliness. Never make fun of each other for how another person's worshiping. or You want to really fan in the flame and encourage each other because you know what? The world outside is going to laugh and mock at how you want to follow Jesus. And we need to encourage each other here. I want to encourage all of you to be welcoming to one another the way Jesus welcomed this woman. You might have somebody here and you think, oh, I have a lot in common with her or a lot in common with him. But you know what? I really don't know her and I really don't know him. And I just kind of want to keep my distance. Be an example of being something different than the way this Pharisee crowd was. They they welcomed Jesus, welcome this woman. and We want to be Christ-like. We want to welcome one another. We want to take an interest in each other and make each other feel comfortable being here. Look out for the person who really doesn't look like they have a real close friend, maybe standing off at a distance. Make them feel welcome. Bring them into your circle of friends. If you don't know somebody, go and introduce yourself. And don't feel weird about that. Don't let other people hinder you from giving your all for God, worshiping God the way God's calling you to. Because God is so wonderful. He will cancel your debt no matter matter how big it is. And thirdly, awareness of how much you've been forgiven by Jesus leads to big love for Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. Awareness of how much you've been forgiven by Jesus leads to big love for Jesus. I have a goal tonight, and it's simply this. I just want your love for Jesus to take off like a rocket. (laughs) I want you just to be so blown away that he would love you so much that he would send his own son to die for you on the cross, to reconcile you to God, to shed his own blood to atone and wash your sins away and forgive you. I, I am so blown away by this God I'm so thankful for him. I'm so glad he's welcomed me in as a sinner. He'll welcome every one of you as well. who we turn to him in repentance and faith. I uh, got these printed out. If you want to take a look at these this at, this at this time, you see at the bottom, in the very bottom right there, it says page one of four, and then on the, the, uh, the back one, actually it says page one of four on the back too, but just look at the, the front one. The front one is uh, where the cross kind of just grows bigger through the years and and it kind of fills the entire page. This is the first one I want to look at. and The reason I made these because this diagram has really captured uh, just how the awareness of God's holiness can actually lead to you really growing in your love for Jesus. And as me and Mr. Sarita were planning this year, and we really felt like the Spirit of God was leading us into looking at God's holiness um, more, our hope is is that as you look at God's holiness and see how awesome he is, that your love for Jesus is just going to grow throughout this year. That's our real prayer. We, we want to see that happen. Like this woman who has been forgiven much and loved Jesus much because she was forgiven much, we want you to be aware of how much you've been forgiven as well so that you'll love Jesus much. You look at this diagram here, you'll see that in the... If you look at the continuum here, it's sort of like your life. You once were lost. This was before you knew Jesus and believed in Jesus. And none of us were born Christians. You have to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus in order to start on the starting line of becoming a Christian. And that starting line is right here. So we once were lost, but now, having believed in Jesus, we're found. we're, We're saved. And this line here really represents your life. What I love about this diagram is, it's sort of like an equation. If you look at this upward line here throughout your life, if by God's grace you grow in an awareness of God's holiness through the years, through like Mr. Sarita was talking about, you just love God's word more and more, you read it, and you just grow to know God more and more, you're going to see how awesome he is more and more. You don't want your knowledge or your awareness of God's holiness to through the years kind of just kind of flatline. You want it to kind of keep going up and up and up like a rocket. And if simultaneously on the other side, your awareness through the years of your sinfulness, apart from Christ, just, just who you are, as you look at your heart and you grow more and more in your awareness of God's holiness and you grow more and more in your awareness of your own sinfulness... And look, if by faith as you're doing that, and the sinful woman, she really did this, the cross really represents Jesus spanning that entire gap. Through the years, that gap is gonna grow because your awareness of, I'm a sinner, but you're holy, God, is gonna deepen. You're gonna mature. You're gonna grow stronger in your awareness of God's holiness. You're gonna grow stronger in your awareness of your sinfulness before God, and provided that by faith you have the cross of Christ and Jesus Christ fill that entire gap. Jesus has forgiven me of all of my sins. He's a holy God whose presence bears no sin, but He has forgiven me of all of it. Look at how the cross gets bigger and bigger through the years. I get so pumped when I think about that for you. You know, it actually tends to work the opposite for a lot of people. Maybe some of you have seen this. You've seen maybe some people who once they become a Christian, they're kind of on fire for Jesus and they love him a ton. And then through the years, what tends to happen, what they once had a big love for Jesus, over the years they start to actually diminish in their love for Jesus. When they get into old age, it's sometimes people don't really even love Jesus anymore. God's got something better for each and every one of you. And I think this diagram really is vital for each and every one of us, parents included, that as we look at God's holiness and become more aware of it through God's word through the years, and me and Mr. Sarita are going to labor hard. Um, we're excited. Mr. White, Mr. Pratt, all of us, we want to do everything we can this year to encourage you in your awareness of God's holiness. You're also the Holy Spirit. His job is to convict us of sin and righteousness, and judgment, and make us aware more and more of our sinfulness, not so that we would feel condemned, but so that we would turn to God again and again, and just say, you know what, Lord, I am so grateful that you died on the cross for all of my sin, and that you paid it all on the cross, and that I really am forgiven Because the reality of it is, this is just our awareness of God's holiness and awareness of sinfulness. The gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness is an infinite gap. It's crazy to think about this, but if you want to look at how God is holy and how he responds to sin, look at the cross. God is so holy and cannot bear sin so much... That His Son, whom He loves so much, He had to forsake Jesus the moment Jesus took our sin upon Himself. He forsook His own Son. That's how holy God is and how much He hates sin. But the amazing thing is, is that God in His love took our sin upon Himself and died on the cross as our substitute So that anybody in here who repents of their sins and says, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe in Jesus and I believe in the cross. Would you please forgive me? You're forgiven. You're forgiven, you're saved, and you're heading for heaven. And that is such good news. I'm so pumped up to share the good news of Christ with you tonight. And I'm also excited that It doesn't have to be that you're one of those ones that loves Jesus in the beginning and then through the years, it fades. What we're hoping for, me and Mr. Sarita and all of your parents, is that you have a love for Jesus now, but your love for Jesus now is like tiny compared to what your love for Jesus is when you're 85. And you know what, I probably won't be around when you're 85, but if I'm like, huh, let me think. You're in your 60s and I'm in my 90s and we're kind of walking around in the supermarket with a cane or something like that. I want to see you on fire for Christ walking around with your cane. (laughs) And that really can happen if by God's grace through the years you grow in your awareness of God's holiness and also simultaneously grow in awareness of your sinfulness. But by faith, remember that Jesus paid it all and also... He is the bridge between this gap, between God's holiness and your sinfulness. And you are now reconciled to God through the cross of Christ and through the blood of Christ. It's awesome. And you see how the cross gets bigger. I'm excited for that for you. If you look on the back, uh, one of the things that uh, I want to highlight on the back is this is sometimes uh it's a second diagram that describes what can happen sometimes that leads to passion and love for the love for Jesus, love for the cross to kind of diminish over time and i hope that this diagram kind of helps you what i was thinking is maybe you guys could stuff this in your bible um and just kind of look at it from time to time just to just to ask yourself hey how am i doing with this once again it's very similar the time continuum's the horizontal line Conversion, when you first believe in Jesus and you repent and believe, happens right here where it starts dividing. And then once again, through the years, growing in awareness of God's holiness and growing in awareness of sinfulness are these two lines here. This is what tends to happen, like I mentioned a moment ago. The cross, at first, is just amazing to you. You're so blown away like the sinful woman that Jesus would have died for you. And you just, you were, you know, you're forgiven much and you love Jesus much. What happens in some, and maybe you can look at this and say, man, which which camp do I tend to fall under? And maybe you can analyze this and see. If you grow in your awareness of holiness throughout the years, but as you're growing in that knowledge and you're getting more knowledgeable about God and you can memorize scripture and you know about God a lot more than other people know about God, that knowledge can if you're not causing the cross to span all the way up to the top and all the way down to the bottom, if you grow in awareness of God's holiness, what we can tend to do is we can tend to, through our own achievements, span the rest of the gap. Rather than just trusting fully in the cross, trusting fully in Jesus and relying on Jesus and His blood and righteousness alone, what you can start to do is say, you know what? Yeah, the cross has done a lot for me. Jesus has done a lot for me. But you know what? I'm also a pretty good person as well. Um, I'm religious. I'm a very moral person. So moralism. Uh, I go to church. Um, I'm also not that bad of a kid. That's self-justification. Legalism is sort of, uh, you know, leaning on your own performance rather than on Christ's performance for you in his perfect life. And what that all tends to is sort of a pride that I really don't need the cross because I'm pretty good already. You can drift into that over time. You can love Jesus much, but then over time slowly drift into, I don't really love Jesus as much as I used to years ago. And why is that? In some cases, the reason for that is because rather than feeling like, oh, you are so holy and there's no way I could ever measure up. You start to think, you know what? I do measure up. I do. And this is like what happened with the Pharisees. They had all the knowledge of the Old Testament and so much of it even memorized. But rather than completely fall at the feet of Jesus when the Christ who was prophesied about in the Old Testament showed up, Look at the way they treat Jesus in that passage. They didn't wash his feet when he came in. That was standard custom in Jewish hospitality culture. They were cold toward him. They were rude. And Jesus points it out to him. This woman is treating me with worship. You guys didn't even wash my feet. You gave me no ointment. Um, they were they didn't treat Jesus with love or worship or adoration at all. Rather, they were proud. If this man really was a prophet, he would know. See, they're judging Jesus. They're actually judging the Son of God. And Jesus reads their thoughts <laughs> and calls them out on it. But over time, if you're not careful, your knowledge can, and your awareness can actually lead to self-righteousness and pride if you're not careful. And self-righteousness and pride can be a real enemy to you loving Jesus much. So let's really strive together to avoid self-righteousness and pride and allowing our knowledge to kind of just puff up rather than lead us to really humble ourselves and say, God, I I look at your holiness and I, I bow down because you are so holy and I just love you for it and I worship you for it. But God, if I am any more righteous than another person that I work with or that I go to school with, this is a phrase that I often say that helps me to protect me from self-righteousness. God, it's only by your grace that I know what I know about your holiness. It's only by your grace that I know morals maybe a little bit better than somebody else. It's only by your grace that I, I've got a mom and dad. If you have a mom and dad who are a believer, thank God for that. Don't take that for granted, teens. But you've been taught from a young age about Jesus and about the glorious gospel. And that is a mercy in your life that other kids don't have. Don't look down on others. Rather, let it humble you and say, God, if, it's only, if it wasn't for your grace, I wouldn't have this knowledge. And what that does is it leads to you, rather than becoming more prideful through the years, you'll be more humble. And your knowledge won't just puff up and make you arrogant. Your knowledge will actually lead to more humility. And you'll be more and more blown away that this holy God who stops the waves with the wave of his hand has loved you so much that he sent his own son to die for you. It'll humble you. It won't make you more self-righteous. So this is really important for all of us, and me included. I think we all can be tempted uh, to that at times. Here's the other side of it. Down on the bottom... If you grow more and more aware of your sinfulness, and remember the Holy Spirit, his job, he's He's going to convict you of sin. Remember that conviction of sin is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is not. Condemnation is not from God. That comes from the enemy when he accuses you. The Holy Spirit will, will work conviction in your heart to lead you toward the cross. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, lead you to be convicted so you'll sense your need for a Savior. You'll say, I am a sinner, God, like the sinful woman, and then you'll go to Jesus. That's a real gift. The awareness of the sinfulness of your sin can drive you to the cross. So if you're here tonight and you're saying, oh, Mr. Etter, if you only knew all the ways that I sin, I just want to say to you, listen, we understand. We're not perfect people or sinless people here in this youth ministry or in this church, Jesus was the only perfect, sinless one. We're all sinners. But as God convicts you of your sin, you want to make sure that by faith you make that cross fill the entire gap so that you're blown away that He would have loved you so much to die for you and pay for it all. That He would who knew no sin became sin for you and died as your substitute on the cross so that rather than being condemned for your sin, guess who bore that condemnation? Jesus did. Guess who bore the hellish torments and suffering on the cross so that you will never, believer, need to bear it? Jesus did. The cross really is, when Jesus said it is finished, what it means is the cross is, Covers this entire gap between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of your sin. And you really are forgiven of your sin by the blood of Christ. You are reconciled to God. But what can sometimes happen through the years is rather than really remembering that the cross, as deep as you sink into your sin, the base of the cross sinks even deeper to make sure that you're forgiven of it and that you're secured. But if you don't remember the cross and keep looking to Christ, what awareness of sin can do, and you see that written down at the bottom, guilt, fear, shame, insecurity, and even despair can come from being aware of sin without being aware of Christ. So I'm really burdened about this for all of us. Up here is where people feel strong. I feel strong. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I'm pretty good on my own. Down here is, I am so worthless. I've got no, I am such a sinner. And I actually am really, really in despair. This is a pathway of hopelessness where you don't make the cross fill the whole entire gap down to your sinfulness as well as all the way up to the holiness of God. And We are really burdened here as well that you would remember. And what helps me battle this, think of this. Even before Jesus died on the cross to save you, you know what the Bible says? God the Father loved you. His love preceded the death of his son for you. So God doesn't simply love you because Jesus died for you. And cleans you up. God has always loved you. He chose you in Christ from before the foundation of the world, the Bible says. And so you were, and the word foreknowledge in the New Testament means that you were known and loved beforehand. God sees you. And it says in the Bible, you know what it says about you who are a Christian? You're a child of God. You are a son and a daughter, adopted into God's very family. You are beloved. You are God's treasured possession, Deuteronomy 7 says. And when I think of the sinfulness of my sin, remembering that I'm God's treasured possession, that He loves me, and that His love preceded the sending of His Son to die for my sinfulness, remembering all of that, that I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God, and He's never going to let me go. He's never going to leave me or forsake me because His love didn't just start at the cross, but it spans all the way back in eternity past when He chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. The depth of that love is meant to protect you from hopelessness and despair. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. It's not in your sin. It's really important for you to remember this. As you grow in your awareness of your sinfulness of sin, it's important to remember your identity is in Jesus Christ. And you are united together with Christ through faith, and you are loved by Him. And this really protects you from, rather than growing more and more in despair, keep making the cross fill the entire gap So that as you grow, go on through the years in your knowledge of God's holiness and your awareness of the sinfulness of your sin, you like the sinful woman. You know he's holy. You know he's other. But you know what? You know when you walk through those doors, he's going to welcome you at his feet. And when you weep your eyes out, aware of the sinfulness of your sin and you tell Jesus, God, I am so sorry for all the things I think. On a given day. And all the things I speak. That are unworthy of you. And all the things I've done. That have grieved your spirit. I pour out. My weeping at your feet. You know this. That Jesus. Because he died on that cross. In your place. Is going to say to you. CB. Your sins are forgiven. You're saved. Go in peace. Me and Mr. Sarita, your parents, all of us, what we want is for you to be aware more and more that your sins, which are many, have been forgiven if you believe in Christ. And the principle that Jesus says in that passage is, if you're aware of how much you've been forgiven, how great that is, you're gonna love Jesus much. Jesus actually uses a comparison of money. Who's gonna be happier of a debt canceled? Somebody who owes 500 denarii, which was 20 years wages, or someone who was only forgiven 50. And the Pharisees answered, 500. And Jesus said, you're right. Whoever's been forgiven much loves much. Now listen, the Pharisees had just as much need of God's forgiveness as the sinful woman. Their sins of self-righteousness and pride were no less odious in the eyes of our holy God than the sinful woman. But you know what? What this is talking about is the sinful woman, she was aware She was aware, by God's grace, of the sinfulness of her sin. And she took that before the feet of Jesus. And when Jesus forgave her, she was aware, by God's grace, that she had been forgiven much. And so, therefore, she loved Jesus much. I pray that each one of us, through the course of this year, would love Jesus more and more And more. Mr. Ross posted this actually on his uh, Facebook page uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, this quote is just wonderful from Tim Keller. It says, A life of gratitude to God for being forgiven is far more pleasing than a life based on self righteousness over being good. A life of gratitude to God for being forgiven. Are you grateful to God? For being forgiven. Let me ask you. Do you love Jesus much? You can be honest. Maybe some of you would say, Mr. Eder, I don't really, no, I don't love him. (laughs) You're talking about loving him much. I don't know that I love him. I think about him from time to time. I don't know that I love him. There's nothing more important, my friend, than loving Jesus much. And the way to love Jesus much is to ponder his holiness which cannot bear sin and your sinfulness and the infinite gap between you, so much so that had he not sent his own son to die for you, you and I would have had to perish in hell forever. And to think that God said, no, I'm going to send my own son to die in the place of sinners on the cross so that that gap between us is spanned. And so I can reconcile these sinners to myself so that they can enjoy heaven forever rather than go to hell when they die, which is what they deserve. Oh, guys. When you're aware that you've been forgiven much, saved from an eternity in hell, loved so deeply that God would call you his treasured possession, when you realize that, you are going to be one of the most passionate worshipers of Christ in our church. And we want that for you. And we want that passion to grow by God's grace through the years so that we can all grow old together, more and more on fire for Jesus. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I really want you to just think. Am I aware of being forgiven much? Do I tend to think about the fact that I've been forgiven much? Do you? You can't love Jesus much unless you're aware that you've been forgiven much. You know, I used to think because I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were both believers. I didn't have one of those testimonies that was kind of like, oh, you know, I was, I was on drugs and, you know, and I, my life was on skid row and then Jesus saved me and now my life's all turned around. I I think if you had known me in high school, some of you would have, I thought, ah, he's a pretty normal guy. He's a pretty good guy. But the reality was, below the surface, if you could look into my heart and into my thought life, you would have seen a young man desperately in need of a Savior. And I want to tell you, don't compare yourself to other kids and say, well, I'm a little bit better than this kid. I'm not as good as this kid, but I'm kind of in the middle. You need to compare yourself to the holiness of God. And guess what? None of us measure up. We need a blood sacrifice to atone for our sins. And you know what the good news is? There is one, Christ, who has died for you. And if you're a believer, you have been forgiven of all of your sins. And your sins, which are many, have been washed as white as snow. All of your guilt has been taken away. Your sin has been atoned for. Jesus said, it is finished. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these teens and their parents, and I just praise you for their lives. God, would you please protect us from self-righteousness on the one hand, and then on the other hand, protect us from despair and hopelessness? Help us to hope only in the cross. Help us to look only to Christ. Help us to base our lives on gratitude to you, God, for being forgiven, rather than basing our lives on a self-righteousness, overthinking somehow that we're good on our own when we're not. God, we never, ever could have made it to heaven apart from Jesus Christ dying for us in our place on the cross. And we are so blown away. We want to love you more like the sinful woman whose sins were forgiven loved you more. To to not care what people think or what the kids in the school think, but just to say, you know what? I love Jesus, and I'm blown away by Him, and I can't believe He has saved me like He has. And I have no embarrassment about going before Him and worshiping at Jesus' feet, even if other people are looking at me and saying, Uh, Look at him. Jesus, help us not to be concerned about what people think, but about what you think. Help us in this Crossfire Parent Team ministry to love one another and to encourage one another in passion for you. And I ask that you would help us in reality to be more aware of how much we've been forgiven so that we love Jesus much. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring that about in our lives more and more throughout this year. We thank you so much for all that you've done. and We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, we're going to have a lot of fun just in a moment in terms of closing, just games and stuff, and hanging out. What I'd like to do, me and Mr. Sheridan were praying about this meeting in advance. We'd like to just take just a few minutes for you and me, all of us, just to have some just quiet time with the Lord, one-on-one with him in prayer. Some of you may pray a lot. Some of you haven't prayed maybe ever before on your own. We want you to connect with the Lord and pray. And just whatever's on your heart, pray to Him. And you know what? If you haven't been following Him, let it be a time of committing your life to Christ and trusting in Him and His finished work on the cross. You can pray something akin to, God, I know you're holy and I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ' finished work on the cross for me. And my hope is only in you. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And he will save you. And maybe you would just say, Mr. Editor, I've become a believer already, but my passion for Jesus isn't really strong. I'm distracted by a great many things that are going on in my life. It could be a time of recommittal between you and the Lord. So this might seem, seem kind of cheesy to do because we're kind of all in one room, but we do have a hallway here or whatever. We're just going to take a few moments, like say five minutes, just to all of us, just to get alone with the Lord. You can get up, walk to the four corners of the room. Try to just get as private as you can for about five minutes. Pray to God. You just pour out your heart to Him. Seek to close your eyes and not allow yourself to get distracted. And talk to this God who sent his son to die for you and reconnect with him. It could be the most important moment of your life. And we're eager for you to have that time. Parents, us included, we need it as well. So I'm going to try to find a spot. Why don't you find a spot in a few moments. Mr. Sarita is going to come back and kind of close us in prayer and officially wrap up our night. I love you guys. I'm so excited for this upcoming year. We're so glad you're here. Let's break into our times of prayer one-on-one with Jesus uh, for a few moments, okay? God,
1: thank you for cross and we thank you for the fact that your holiness reminds us of your goodness, and your perfection. God that justice had to be satisfied. your wrath had to be satisfied. And we're so grateful for the fact that it doesn't have to land on us. It doesn't have to land on those who truly deserve it for what we might think are minimal things, our thought lives, and what we say to our family, what we say to our friends, how we treat one another. God, Our sin deserves infinite punishment. And yet because of Christ, we can have infinite reconciliation with you, eternal reconciliation with you. This unmerited favor, this grace that you've given us, we're so grateful. And God, I just pray for the teens here that after hearing Mr. Edder teach. They would be encouraged. God, that they would not feel condemned. God, we, we have not put our faith and trust in you. We understand that there is condemnation, but there is hope and there is a way of escape that has been provided. A way to have right standing before God, and that's through Jesus Christ. We thank you that there is hope tonight. And God, that there would be good discussion between the teens and the parents about, about that, about, about that gap and, and about the ways in which we can be tempted either way to justify ourselves or to be in despair. God, I pray that there would be fruitful conversation between the teens and the parents and the parents would be encouraged, God, and, and it would give them opportunities to share where they're falling short. And the teens would do likewise, because it's not about us, God. The gospel is not about us. It's about you. It's not about our performance, and it's not about our sin. It's what you did to perform for us and to atone for our sin. And so we are grateful for the fact that we are not in that equation, God. And yet, um, we also, though the desire to strive for holiness, and, and we are involved in that equation. But God, justification, being made right before God, is all you. We give you all credit. We give you all glory. So I just pray for the teens tonight as they continue to process this, that they would enjoy you and love you because they have been forgiven much through the cross of Christ. And uh, yeah, I encourage your time for the remainder of, of this evening, um, and, and, and may we have fruitful conversation that uh, just uh, points us okay. back to you.